So real quick, I just want to run through the objectives of our class, and then we'll have a little activity that we'll do um, that may or may not be fun for some people. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, welcome to the class. This is Jesus, the man from heaven, and it's been really fun to walk through uh, who Jesus is and then how we relate to him as people that believe in him for salvation and are forgiven of our sins and are now united to Christ. And we get to experience so many blessings uh, because of our unity with Christ. And so we'll, we're going to study an aspect of uh, what he did and who he was tonight together in a little bit. But real quick, let's look at our objectives. So first of all, we want to grow in our knowledge of Christ. Um, the Word says that um, when we grow in our knowledge of Christ, we're able to grow in our, our love for Christ. And so we want to make sure that we are loving and having faith in the, the right Jesus, who the Bible says that Jesus is, and not what our experience tells us or maybe what we've heard from people. We want to have a biblical view of who Jesus is um, and then uh, hope in him. And then secondly, we want to grow in our understanding of our union with Jesus. So 2 Peter 1.4 discusses how uh, we get to partake in the divine nature because of our union with Christ. And we don't fully understand what that means, and we don't physically feel all of that. But the Bible, uh, especially the epistles, are full of uh, what the realities of our union with Jesus are and we have to believe that that's true of us because it's not always going to feel that way. And so then uh, 2 Peter 1 goes into how we live in response to our union with Jesus. And so we don't just uh, stop with knowledge of who Jesus is and our union with him. We, we act on that by faith and pursue Christ-likeness um, by faith in him. So to get started tonight with our lesson, I need a couple volunteers <laughs> so if I could have two people that would be willing to come up and there's candy involved. So there's incentive, all right? So I don't know who wants these, but you can, the first group that comes up gets to pick first. Okay, so all right, we got Sim. Who else? Who wants to go with Sim? Can you give us some more information about what we're doing? Um... <laughs> No lifting, no lifting. No running. Uh, there's a little, little exercise, not, not much. What do you think? What do you think? We, I'm going to need six people eventually, so, so I need one, one more right now. Come on, there's candy. Yes, Mark. I love it. Okay, you came up first, so you get to pick which one you fight over. The Reese's? Okay. Um, can you blindfold yourself with that? This is a, a vintage IRBC men's retreat shirt. 2011. I found it in the back. Uh, it's been long enough that there's nothing living on it. So, <laughs> What's that? Or you could just lay it over your head. That'd be fine. That'd be fine. Okay. So I'm going to have you sit in a chair, Sim. <clears throat> So, Mark is the robber, and Sim, this is your possession that you're guarding, okay? So, you sit in the chair. 
and you've got to hold the, the candy bar out in front of you. Here, maybe I'll turn you, Sim. Can you stand up real quick? Sorry. Everybody see this? Can you stand right there, or sit right there? And then I'm going to have you hold the pool noodle here. So the, the plan is that Sim has to hold the candy out in front of him, and Mark is going to try and get the candy bar without getting whacked by the pool noodle. So if Mark can, if you can touch the candy bar without getting hit by the pool noodle, you get the candy bar. Okay. But if he hits you with the pool noodle, he, uh, then Sim gets the candy bar. Okay? All right, so we're starting. So Sim can do whatever he wants as long as he stays in the chair. Oh! Good job, good job, guys. All right, all right. I need two more. Who wants to do it? Yeah. Thanks, Sim. Do you want to do it again? You can be the robber this time. That's great, yeah. Oh, you get this, Mark. You're welcome. All right, who's next? Two more. Just grab somebody and come on up. All right, which one do you guys want to fight over? Butterfingers? All right. So which one of you is Robin? You'll do the, this one? Yeah. Okay, okay. So you come over here, Jason. I feel like I need to say maybe, may the force be with you or something. I don't know. All right. So you got to hold it out in front of you, kind of. Excellent. All right. Go. I think you got the candy first. Well done, well done. All right, one more, one more. Who wants the uh, Hershey's? Cookies and cream. Should have got bigger candy bars. That's... Come on, it's free candy. Perfect. I see that hand. <laughs> Two of our deacons. This will be perfect. I feel like we should pick sides and then cheer for them. I'm going to take my glasses off. That's a good idea. You get this. I was expecting more of a violent. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say go yet. I didn't oh, say go. Oh, yeah. oh man. I, my eyes are closed, Rod, I promise. Where do I have to All hold right. this? Uh, just, just, like, just like in front of you, like right here. You can go down a little more if you want. Oh, okay. You can keep it closer to you. Maybe not down, down? there. <laughs> I don't care. All right, go. This is so weird. <laughs> Oh! That was stealth. Good job, guys. All right, give him a hand. Give him a hand. Thanks, guys. These are sacred. So. 
All right. Thanks, guys. What in the world could we be talking about tonight, right? I thought about playing Steal the Bacon. I don't know if any of you played that when you were a kid, but that was the other option. So what we're going to talk about tonight is uh, Philippians chapter 2 and how in that text, uh, Christ says, or Paul says about Jesus something very interesting. He says that Jesus did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. And um, in, that, in that sentence, like we've talked about through our class, uh, it's not talking about Jesus being less of God than the Father is. They still share the divine essence, and there's no difference uh, between them. They're both fully God. And that word robbery there, it's a little, uh, not deceptive, but it, it leads you to think of something uh, opposite of what the text means. And so when we think of robbery, we think of the person up here trying to get the candy, right? But some of your Bibles talk about how it talks about uh, that Jesus didn't consider equality with the Father something to be grasped or held on to tightly. And so that's the intent of it. That word can mean the person taking the object but it also can mean the person holding the object. So the, the sense of the word is that someone is violently holding on to something. They're uh, very aggressively clinging to something, and that's not how Jesus was when it came to his um, authority and um, his abilities in being God himself. And so... Uh, when it talks about how he emptied himself, we're going to look at what that means. But Jesus, in his humility, coming as a man to die on the cross for our sins, he was willing to set aside some of his divine attributes. And we're going to look at that, and it becomes a, a beautiful picture of what humility is like. And it even talks about how he was humble to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's the ultimate point of humility uh, that has ever been shown. And so let's look at Philippians chapter 2, and we'll dive into this a little bit closer and see how this plays out um, as Paul writes it here. And so this text is sometimes called the Christ hymn, and so it's kind of poetic in the way it's written, uh, but it reveals really uh, amazing things about who Christ was and what he did. So starting in uh, verse 5 of Philippian two, Philippians 2, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so what we're going to be discussing tonight is sometimes referred to as the kenosis, um, which is just the Greek word that's used here when it talks about how he emptied himself. Uh, the word is kenosis in Greek. And it talks about uh, what Christ did um, in his humility. 
And so the, the definition we'll use of Christ's emptying or his kenosis is Jesus temporarily set aside the independent use of some of his divine attributes. Okay? And so as we have studied Christ, uh, there becomes a lot of qualifiers in there. <laughs> you know, we don't say there's, there's you know, temporary, independent, some, and uh, we're very careful in our language about Jesus uh, because that's the way Scripture is. And then there's also been a lot of heresies that have come up concerning Christ uh, when we start to misunderstand some of these things. And so there you can see um, how kenosis is spelled. And all it means is, uh, is to empty. And so some people have gone astray in saying that... Uh, so there's a Charles Wesley hymn that talks about how he emptied himself of all but love. And that's saying that he emptied himself of everything. And so we don't believe that. We believe that he emptied himself of some things um, for a time. <laughs> so uh, there's some qualifiers in there to guard against some of those things. And so now we sing that song. When we sing it in church, uh, we say he emptied himself to show his love. And that's the way we sing uh, that song. And so we'll look at that later as well. But as we jump into Philippians 2, uh, we see the exhortation right at the beginning. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So we'll kind of come back to that at the end to uh, look at the application of a way that we can uh, use this in our life. And so we're going to go right to uh, verse 6. Uh, which states, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. And so this is similar to what we've talked about before, uh, but Jesus was in the form of God before his incarnation. So Jesus was already in the form of God uh, when he was thinking about coming as a man. Okay, And so I realize that God's outside of time and these things are in the eternal mind of God. But God, Jesus was already fully God before his incarnation. So we've covered that already. And we'll see later in verse 7 that he takes on the form of a bondservant. And so those form words, they're the same words. And so this is partially where we learn about how Jesus is fully God and fully man. He has both of these forms fully, and he doesn't become less God when he becomes a man uh, he still remains fully God. And then that next phrase there, uh, Jesus did not consider uh, his equal power and authority with God, the Father, a thing to be clung to. And so I kind of give the, the definition there of what this word can mean. So it's a violent, forceful, forceful grasping of property. So it can be used to denote someone stealing someone else's property or holding on to their own property. So Christ rightly has the full power and authority of God as being a member of the Godhead. But he didn't see that as a thing to be held on to with vigor. He was willing to set aside the independent use of some of those things to live a life as a human in our place and to be the perfect sacrifice on the cross for our sins. And so, in the life of Christ, uh, we see him acting as a human because he set aside uh, the use of some of his divine attributes. So, when Christ became incarnate, 
he was no longer um, omnipresent, right? He's now bound to a body. And so he set aside the use of that. Um, and, and several other things, we won't get into all of them, but partially what we'll look at uh, tonight and then next week is that Christ uh, basically lived his life how he asks us to live our life. So he, he set aside the use of these things and lived his life in the power of the Spirit. And then when he left, he said, now the Spirit will come to you. And now you will be the light because I have left the world and you can uh, follow my example in life and fulfill uh, the mission of the Father as I, am, uh, as I ascend to heaven. That the, my ministry will continue on through my church, through the Spirit in you. So we've been learning a lot about that um, on Sunday mornings uh, in the book of Acts. And it's so helpful to realize that in Christ's life, he... When, when we see him doing miracles, you know, we often look at that and we're like, yeah, like Jesus is so powerful. You know, he's, he's the son of God and he has the full power of God. And that's true, but I don't believe that he's tapping into his ability to do those things. I think he's working, he, he does those miracles through the indwelling power of the spirit. So he, he was surely capable of doing those things, but he was willing to empty himself of, those, of some of those things so that he would be able uh, to uh, live as a human, be our example, die our death in our place, and then be raised uh, from the dead by the Father and uh, accomplish our salvation for us. And so the, the picture that, that is kind of painted here for us is that Jesus has open hands before the Father. He says, you want me to go and do this? And he says, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to set these things aside um, and, and go and fulfill this uh, for the plan of dying on the cross for their sins. And so now as we look at uh, the next verse, so we've looked at how he was in the form of God and he didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And so here it talks about how he made himself of no reputation. And so that's, that no reputation is the word kenosis in Greek, and it just means to empty. So he, he emptied himself, and he did it in two ways. He did it by taking on the form of a bondservant. So he, he took on our flesh, um, and then he did it by, uh, excuse me, I'm like losing my notes here, and by coming in the likeness of men. And so he took on our flesh there. So being, coming in the form of a bondservant is talking about how he set aside the independent use of his divine attributes. And so we can pull those blanks up here. So made himself of no reputation. He emptied himself. How did he do that? Uh, the two participles listed there. He did it by taking the, the form, which is the same word as above, of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And so, again, he set aside the independent use of some of his divine attributes. And so as we've thought about Christ coming in his incarnation, and we thought about his perfect fellowship in John 1 um, in, in previous weeks, his perfect fellowship with the Father and the Spirit, and him being willing to leave that fellowship 
to come and live on earth and uh, fulfill Scripture and accomplish salvation for us. We've discussed how, how amazing that is that He was willing to do that, that He was willing to give up that perfect fellowship that He's had with the other members of the Trinity forever. And I think this is another one of those uh, times where we see just Christ's amazing willingness uh, to sacrifice his own rights and privileges for the sake of us and for the sake of honoring his Father and obeying him. And so here he, he takes on the form of a bondservant. He, he sets aside uh, these things that are rightfully his as the Son of God. He's willing to uh, have an open hand and set those things aside. And then he's also willing to take on the likeness of men. And so the, the idea behind this is that uh, he takes on our human flesh and veils his uh, divine glory in human flesh. And so when we see Jesus in his life, we don't see him as he appeared from eternity past. He, he still is the, the glorious son of the Father. He's still fully God, but he's not necessarily, uh, we don't see his glory all the time. So if you remember the disciples on uh, the Mount of Transfiguration, there they saw his glory and they were just blown away by, by the glory of God that they saw revealed in Christ. And they didn't see this all the time. And so this was another part of how uh, he humbled himself. And so again, this, this helps us as we think about Christ's humility and how often are we unwilling to hold with an open hand the things that we have the right and privilege to grasp to. You know, this, this is my thing and I'm going to hold on to it and I'm not going to share it with anybody else. Uh, you know, God gave this to me. You know, we might even use that as an excuse um, there's many things that fall into this category where we, we hold on to them with this, this tight grasp, but we see Christ here in his humility and his willingness uh, to do whatever the Father asked him to do, even to give up the rights and privileges uh, temporarily uh, that he had as God himself. And so I think this is partially what we see in Philippians 2 when Paul encourages us in verse 5 to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I think it's drawing us to see that Christ uh, was willing to obey the Father, whatever he was asked to do. He was willing to humble himself, to, to set aside the independent use of these uh, divine attributes for a time. And then even to uh, go and die on the cross, to be obedient to the point of death on the cross is just amazing. So I know when I'm confronted with an opportunity to sacrifice, it's, I, I don't just like jump into that like, oh, this is super fun. You know, I, I would love to, you know, give up my Friday night to go help this person or, you know, whatever it might be. Oftentimes we're very, we're very slow to give up things that we see as rightfully ours and that we're um, entitled to through, you know, whatever means. But it's encouraging to see our Lord and Savior who deserves all the glory and majesty and worship from us and to see him willing uh, to come to earth with an open hand, to be incarnate, to take on our flesh, 
and then uh, to die on the cross for our sins. I just love how Paul states that. He said, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And so it's not just that he, he died in our place. He had a humiliating death. He died um, an execution on the cross uh, that was reserved for the worst of criminals. And he did that in our place because that's what we deserved. And it just shows his great humility. And so we see that... Uh, at the beginning there in verse 5, that we should have this, this same mind uh, as Christ had. And as, as I was discussing with Charlie before uh, the class time here, uh, you know, in the previous verses, it talks about how we can have um, unity with each other, how we can look to each other's uh, interests instead of our own, and we can prefer others over ourselves and sacrifice our own desires uh, to accomplish uh, what God wants. And uh, that's the mind that we need to have as well. And that comes from a recognition of what our Savior has done and then a recognition that we can be humble like He was humble um, and, and walk the path uh, behind Him as we're enabled by the Spirit. And so the, the cool thing about what happens uh, with Christ here is that he, he came in humility, and he doesn't exalt himself. He's willing to, to take himself all the way to the cross, humble himself, die on the cross, and then he, he lets the Father exalt him. And so in verse 9 it talks about, Therefore God also highly exalted him, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, and those on earth, and those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so I love how now Christ is exalted, and he's the one of whom we need to bow the knee. Every knee bows before the Son, and every tongue confesses that he is the Lord. And it's for the purpose of the glory of the Father. And so again, we just see uh, this theme coming up that Christ he did these things because uh, this was the plan of the Trinity to accomplish uh, for their glory, to bring glory to God the Father. And so when we uh, worship Jesus, when we bow before him and submit our lives to him, uh, when we confess him as Lord, um, when we walk with him as uh, the one who has uh, control of our lives, we get to bring glory to God uh, through our submission to Him. And so I hope this is helpful for you. Uh, again, we're, we're united to Christ. We are now one with Him, and we get this opportunity to walk through life and be humble like He was humble. And we can do it because He's done it, and He did it uh, not, because, not just because He's God, and he has uh, you know, the abilities and authority and power of God. But he set those aside, and we can, we can do that as well because he did it in the power of the Spirit. And so we have the same Spirit in us, and we can walk in humility because we have Christ's Spirit living in us. And so I have this uh, next section you can see here. It says, what does the kenosis teach us about the life of Jesus? How did Jesus do his miracles if he set aside some of his divine attributes? And so the first one lifted there, listed there, Jesus lived his life like us, 
a man who depended on the Heavenly Father as he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so it should be encouraging to us that as we read about Christ, we can, we can face temptation, we can face suffering, we can face uh, humiliation and uh, being put down. We can face all these things because we are in Christ and we are now able to trust the Father and be filled with His Spirit. And so there, I have listed there a few things uh, just to show that, that Jesus lived a life. Okay? He didn't just show up at 30 years old and you know, went to Calvary um, and he, to do His ministry and went to Calvary. He, he grew up as a child. He had parents that He obeyed. Uh, he increased, he, he grew in wisdom and stature. He, he learned, he learned things. Um, he had customs. He, he did certain things. He had habits. Uh, he learned a trade. He was a carpenter. And uh, I don't know, you can cross out Matthew 24, 26 in that last one. It's just Mark 13, 32. But that talks about how even the son doesn't know the day or the hour. Only the father knows and so that shows us how Christ, who is fully God, has the right and privilege to be omniscient, to know everything. He should. He's fully God. But he set aside the independent use of his omniscience for a time. And he chose not to ask the Spirit when that time was, or to ask the Father. And so he was ignorant of that fact, even though he is God. And I think that's helpful for us because we don't know a lot of things and, and we can live our lives as well, uh, trusting the Father and being filled with the Spirit. And so Jesus was willing to, to go forward in life, not even knowing uh, the day or the hour of the end. And so uh, next week we'll look at how uh, Jesus had the Spirit indwelling in him And he lived his life uh, in the power of the Spirit, just like we're asked to do. And so, there's things where, you know, we won't do the miracles that Christ did in the power of the Spirit. And we'll look at these things next week. Um, But at at the base level, we are able, with the indwelling Spirit, to to live uh, by faith in the Father's will for us. And to walk by faith in Him and uh, to be filled with His Spirit. And so, uh, down in the next section, now what? We've already looked at how you know, we can have the mind of Christ and how we can uh, be willing to sacrifice things that are rightfully ours uh, for the sake of others and for the sake of obeying God. Um, but here's two other thoughts. Um, and so I have Ephesians four seventeen through 24 listed under that. And this talks about how we learn Christ. And so I just want to read that for us real quick. And uh, you're probably familiar with this text, but it talks about how we used to walk as the Gentiles walk, and it names some things. And then it talks about now we've learned Christ in a different way, and now how we live our lives. And uh, so let me just read those real quick. So Ephesians 4, starting in verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, 
being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have learned him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And so again, this takes us back to now that we've believed in Christ, and now that we know what Christ is like, we can uh, learn Jesus. We can have the mind of our Savior. We can put off the old man and put on the new man. We can stop doing uh, the worldly sinful things that we used to be captivated by, blind to, and begin to have the mind of Christ and put on the character of Christ and to live um, as Christ, as new creations in Him. And so, I hope that's, that's a helpful idea for you, uh, that through our union with Christ, we can continue to become like Him. And that's the idea, uh, similarly to Philippians 2, with having the mind of Christ. And then uh, another parallel from Ephesians, or sorry, from the Philippians in the book of Ephesians is the exaltation of Christ. So it talks about how Jesus has been exalted and he has a name above every other name. And we know that that's true as well from Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, it talks about uh, God's power um, in verse 19 of Ephesians 1 and then verse 20 which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. And then again, we see our, our union with Christ as we turn to chapter 2 and look at verse 6. It says that we as well, um, that he has raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. And so this is a similar parallel to Philippians where we see uh, Christ, and that we need to be having the mind of Christ, and then we see Christ being exalted, and then here again in Ephesians we see Christ exalted, and then we, we actually get to be seated with him in the heavenly places. And so it's just a reminder of the beauty of our union with Christ. And, you know, you can look at me right now, and it doesn't look like I'm seated in the heavenly places with Christ, right? I'm standing here on earth. But it's true of me in Christ that I have been raised with him. I'm alive together with Christ, and I'm seated with him in the heavenly places. And so just keep thinking through uh, the beauty of our union with Jesus and how his humility accomplished so much for us in in his death and his resurrection that he was willing to take on our flesh, to leave heaven, to set aside uh, the temporary independent use of some of those divine attributes, and to walk uh, through a human life and die our death in our place. And so, as we've gone through these, we've looked at several songs. And so, uh, I have some of the lines of these songs listed um, in your notes there. And a lot of Christmas songs actually touch on this idea of Christ coming in humility, Christ Uh, coming as a human, his incarnation, um, obviously, because he he came as a baby, and that's what we celebrate at Christmas time. 
um, but also how uh, you know he set aside some of uh, these uh, rights and privileges that he uh, had enjoyed from eternity past. So a newer one is how low was our redeemer brought by sovereign grace. So the the lines you have uh, aren't in order of how the song goes. I just selected some to put in your notes. So don't try to sing it because it's not the right lines in in order. But how low was our redeemer brought, the king who held the stars. And that's just amazing to think about. Our our savior Christ, he made the stars. He he you know, talks about in Job how, you know, he holds the skies in a span and all these things. And he uh, was willing to be brought low to honor the Father and to accomplish our salvation. And so we'll keep reading the lines there. Would stumble as he learned to walk upon the ground he'd made. The one the angels bowed before would kneel to wash our feet and be at home among the poor, though he owned everything. So I just, I just love these because they draw attention to how he deserved to be served. He deserved, uh, you know, he deserves to have all these things at his footstool, and yet he came and served us, uh, and he was willing to do that and be humble. How low was our Redeemer brought to raise us from our shame, and now the highest praise of all belongs to Jesus' name. The King gave up his crown, and so we could reign with him. Um, and then it goes on, Gloria, Gloria in the highest. And uh, that's probably my favorite one that, that discusses uh, some of these ideas of Christ humbling, his humility, the one who owns all these things, made these things, uh, deserves all the praise and honor, uh, gave, uh, you know, set that aside to come and serve us, to seek and to save the lost, to honor his Father and obey, and to fulfill Scripture. Uh, the next song there, And Can It Be by Charles Wesley. Uh, this is the one in stanza three that we've kind of changed to, to fit our theology better. But uh, he left his father's throne above, so free, so infinite his grace, emptied himself of all but love. And so that's the, the phrase there that you see that uh, most uh, people have changed to emptied himself to show his love. And it better reflects Uh, what Christ did in uh, the kenosis. Uh, And then I have a couple more listed there. Um, I don't know these ones as well. They're less known songs. But the last one there, Behold the Great Creator by Thomas Pestle. Uh, Behold the Great Creator makes himself a house of clay, a robe of virgin flesh he takes which he will wear of a. Hark, hark, the wise eternal word like a weak infant cries. In form of servant is the Lord, and God in cradle lies. And so that's just really fun. You know, if you, if you hold a baby, like how delicate and dependent is a baby? Completely, right? They need someone else to keep them alive. And Christ became a baby. He, he left the, the fellowship, the perfect fellowship of the Trinity, he set aside all these rights and privileges that were rightly his, and he was born as a baby uh, to, to die on the cross for our sins. And so that's the, the ultimate conclusion of this, is that Christ was humble, and humble to the point of dying, even a death on the cross. He gave up his life for us. What less 
can we give than our lives? We can give our lives back to him because of what he gave to us. And so that comes, uh, you know, we can, we can sacrifice things that we hold valuable. Uh, we don't have to hold onto them tightly. We can hold them with open hands before the Father's plan for us. Um, we can be humble. We can be willing to do things that are beneath us. You know, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Jesus died a shameful death on the cross. Uh, he, was, uh, he was willing to do those things uh, when he was the one who had, should have been uh, served and uh, given all. And so, uh, most of all, this is an encouragement uh, of who our wonderful Savior is, that he was willing to do this uh, for the Father and for us. And so we can trust him, and he doesn't leave us in this life. He had a plan all the way through. He, he lived a human life um, in the power of the Spirit, depending on the Father. And then he asks us to do the same, and he gives us that same Spirit, and uh, the Father continues to help us as well. So we'll continue to talk about uh, this idea with uh, the Spirit indwelling in the life of Christ next week. Um, But for now, we'll go ahead and I'll pray, and then we can break up into our groups uh, for a time of prayer. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was willing to humble himself and uh, to come in our likeness and uh, to leave uh, the glories of heaven and to set aside so much on our account. And uh, we just praise and worship his name. And pray that you would uh, continue to to glorify his name in the earth and in our lives. And uh, we just sing his praises uh, together and pray that um, in our lives we would have the mind of Christ and that we would be willing to to hold what we value, uh, hold that with an open hand before you, and that you would uh, help us as we seek to trust you um, in this walk of life. And so we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, and we thank you for uh, his love for us and his uh, willingness to submit to uh, your leading in his life, and pray that we would um, have the mind of Christ uh, this week. Uh, We ask for your help, and thank you for our church family and our time together tonight. In Christ's name we pray, amen.